Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Parashas Bahar Bichu Kaisai. And we are going to continue learning the halachas of Lashon Hara. And uh, this is part four. The past few weeks, we have discussed when it's permitted to say Lashon Hara and even required, provided we meet the seven conditions of Lashon Hara Latelas. This week, let's discuss what's the halacha of listening to Lashon Hara, believing Lashon Hara, and what we're required to do when someone tells us Lashon Hara. It's going to take probably two weeks. So Kabbalah's Lashon Hara means believing Lashon Hara. That's what Kabbalah's Lashon Hara means. It's an instrument at Taira, uh, It's learned from the Pasuk, Lesisa Shema Shav. Don't believe a worthless or false report. Believing Lashon Hara is an Avera. Even if we don't expressly agree with the speaker, you know, even if we don't say, oh, you're right, or I believe you, but if in our heart we accept what that person has said, we believe the story to be true, it's already the Isser of Lesisa Shema Shav. It's an Avera of accepting and believing Lashon Hara. If we actually reiterate and tell the person, oh, I believe you, you're telling the truth, it's true about that person, then it would be additionally speaking Lashon Hara as well. Now, you might wonder, how is a person supposed to do this? How are we supposed to not believe Lashon Hara? But let's say the person who told us the story is very trustworthy in our eyes, and we believe him. What are we supposed to do? We think he's telling the truth. What are we meant to think? What are we meant to do? So the answer is that you might know that what the person is saying has truth, and perhaps he's reporting on the facts, but we have to realize that every person reports on facts as they see it. They are just giving you one person's version of the event. And even if the teller witnessed what he's saying with his own eyes, he is interpreting the facts that he witnessed, and they can often be interpreted differently. Now, first and foremost, we have an obligation of B'Tzedek Tishbarami Secha to judge our friends, our people, righteously. Give them the benefit of the doubt. The Torah obligation is learned from this Pasuk of the Tzedek Tish It really needs a shear for itself to go through those halachas of being dam l'kavzchos, to judge someone favorably. But simply, as long as the person is a Yarish the person generally keeps Torah and mitzvahs and does his best to try to serve Hashem, if you see him doing something even very questionable, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt and try to interpret what happened in a way that, that, that is favorable for the person. And certainly if the person is a tzaddik, a rebbe, a rav, or a shashiva, a tamad chacham, anything, then we're obligated to assume there's a good explanation for the story, even if it doesn't like, make so much sense. We still have to give the benefit of the doubt. And in addition, there are so many things that change the story. And often we just don't know the context, the backstory, what happened earlier, and perhaps we would change the whole nature of the story. Let me give you an example. You go out into the street and you see a parent yelling, screaming their heads off at a kid. And they're yelling to the point where it really is disturbing. It disturbs you. And you think to yourself, someone has to speak to that parent about anger management and maybe sign him up for a chinuch class. But what you don't know is that a few minutes before, the child ran after a ball out in Tarakola Avenue into a busy street, and the parent had to run in and save him just as the light changed and everybody was honking. And so then if you would have seen all that, you'd say, wow, the parent is actually exercising restraints. He's not hitting his kid. Right? It changes the whole nature of the story. And other times there can be something going on in a person's life that explained their behavior. 
and perhaps deem us uh, even insensitive for suspecting them. Uh, someone complains to you, a friend of yours complains to you that he was calling this person and the person's ignoring him, ignoring their phone calls, not returning their emails, texts, even when they see them on the street, they avoid them. And it makes it seem like that other person is being rude and unfriendly, but we don't know what's going on in that person's life. Maybe there's something that they don't want to talk about, something that they know the other person will pressure them to talk about that they can't talk about, so they have no choice but to avoid emails and avoid phone calls and, and, and so on and so forth. There's so many things that really can change a whole story and change the whole nature of something that happened. And generally, you know, people also, even if they did something wrong, they don't always realize what they did. They don't always understand how other people looked at it. They don't always realize the repercussions and the ramifications of their actions. There are very easy ways to be down Lakaschos. It's not necessarily the hardest thing to do. The hard thing is, is that our tendency is that when we hear a story, our first reaction is to allow ourselves to get emotionally involved in the story. And we take a side and we get angry, we get upset, we get outraged, disgusted, and those emotions don't let us think. And we immediately jump to the conclusion that, you know, that person is wrong and it's a Russian, whatever, a terrible person. And if we would just hold off on letting the story sink in so quickly and we would start thinking about it, it's not so hard to start seeing the other side of the story. And this is the obligation the Torah puts upon us. The Torah obligates us not to believe not to accept Lashon Hara. And that's what we need to do because it doesn't, even if we believe the facts, they can be interpreted in many ways. We can understand we're missing facts. We can understand we're missing backstory. We're missing what's going on in the person's lives and so many more other details. Now, the Avera of Kabbalah's Lashon Hara, of accepting and believing Lashon Hara, goes beyond just believing. Even listening to Lashon Hara alone, even if you know the person's lying, Simply listening to Lashon Hara is an Avera, meaning if someone comes over to you and tells you, I have a great story to tell, you have to hear what Shimon did. Now, if you say, yeah, well, let me hear what Shimon did, and, and or you indicate in any way that the person should continue, and you listen to the story, and you know even before the guy starts that it's not going to be true, it's going to be uh, dramatized, he's going to add details, he's that kind of guy, he's just a gossip monger, you know, he doesn't, uh, he's not, he can't be relied upon. So you know, you know, you have absolutely no plan of believing the guy, but you gave him the go-ahead and you allowed him to talk and you're listening, you're actively listening. That's an Avera as well. That's Kabbalah's Lashon Hara as well. Even though you're not believing, listening, actively listening to Lashon Hara is included in the Avera of Lysisa Shem There are times that you're allowed to listen to a story. Now, sometimes the story might be relevant to you. You, have to, you might have to listen to it, you might have to hear it. Uh, it might be someone you plan on doing business with, it could be making a shidduch or suggesting that person for a job to someone else, or many other situations where the details of the story might be important. And that being the case, it could be a heter. And Amir Tashem will discuss this more next week, the various details of when you're allowed to be in the Kabbalah and Hara, and um, so on and so forth. This week's parasha, as we mentioned, is Parashas Bahar B'chul Kaisai. And Parashas Bahar deals extensively with the mitzvah of Shemitah, the mitzvah to stop all farming and harvesting and plowing during the seventh year of the cycle of years. 
And this mitzvah required great faith and bitachin on Hashem, in Hashem to trust that he'll provide enough food and money to live on, although the farmer is giving up his livelihood for a full year. Hashem promised that, he promises that the sixth year will create enough produce to provide, to supply us for the seventh and even eighth year when it's Yaivel. But nevertheless, it's very difficult to give up an income-producing job, to rely on a promise, even to rely on savings. You're taking, you're losing uh, income. And Chazal compared the farmers who keep shviyas like angels. And that's the kind of level of betachon required. It requires the strength of will that angels possess. Parash Kaisai is largely the brachas, the blessings and klalas, the curses that Klai Yisrael are told about, are promised, and the punishments are largely for not keeping Shemitah. Bitachan is something that we always need to constantly strengthen and bolster. And now, of all times, when there's so little clarity, so little can be understood of what we're going through, what it means, why it's happening, what are we meant to take from this? That it requires great betachin to just accept Hashem's actions and trust Him and understand it's going to be something good for us. We're going to benefit from all this and there's a good reason why this is all happening. The Haftorah of Bechukaisai, which is in Yermio Anavi, and we would have lain this week, gives us insight into the mitzvah of betachin and the extension of the parak in Tanakh gives us even a practical way to work on our bitachin. How do you work on bitachin? How do you weekly, daily, what can you do to make bitachin stronger? The Haftar is in Yermio, and it begins smack in the middle of a parak, and it ends right in the middle of a parak. Haftarahs do this, but you, often it's easier to understand why they start where they start and end where they end. This one is a little bit harder to understand. Before the Haftar begins, there's many... In this Nebu of Yermio, there's many dire predictions about what will happen when the Harbin of the Yerushalayim happens, when Yerushalayim gets destroyed, the base of Mikish gets destroyed, and Kalal Yisrael asks a question. And it's an amazing question. It's a question that's been asked for generations, generation after generation, through pogroms, through tsarists, through epidemics, through all suffering that Kalal Yisrael suffered. They ask a question. What did we do to deserve this? And Kalal Yisrael asked the Navi that question. What did we do to deserve the destruction of Yerushalayim? We think, oh, Baruch Hashem, someone asked the Navi. Now we'll know. Well, it's not that simple. The, the Pasuk says, Amru, will say, Why did Hashem say this evil decree about us? What's our avera? What's our sin? So they don't know. Kalal Yisrael doesn't know what they did. And it's a fascinating thing because you look at the other psukim in Yermia and Navi, he castigates them for idol worship, for Gilead Arias, for stealing, for all kinds of Averis. It makes it sound like Chayashro was knee-deep in the Shalosh Chamuras and the worst Averis possible. But then they wouldn't have had such a big question, why is Hashem doing this, right? It's kind of obvious. So clearly, the Navi has a lens how he looks at things. And things are called cool, the way Things are called cool, Gilead Arias. It wasn't that. Clearly, the Aver was very subtle, very so much so that Kali Yisrael thought they were, they were serving Hashem to their understanding. They couldn't fathom what would, could they have possibly done to deserve the destruction and the terrible things that came along with the Kharb Mesemikdash. So what does the Navi answer? So the Pasik, the long Pasik, but there are a few words in it that Chazal talk about in a few different ways. Hashem says very simply, they abandoned me, and they didn't keep my Torah. 
Okay, straightforward. But the Pasik is interesting because if they abandon Hashem, then obviously that means they didn't keep the Torah. It's the same thing. And that's what Chazal comment on. What does that mean? Does it mean idol worship? Then that's the same thing. That's Torah Silei But you look at the continuation of the Psukim, which is our weeks, where our Haftar begins. What the Navi is really giving them Musr about, what does it mean abandon Hashem and not kept the Torah? It meant a lack of Bitar. That's what this whole Haftarah is about. The Yirmiyah Navi says, Hashem. This is what Hashem says, First is a person that relies on a man. And he uses flesh and blood as his strength. That's what he's, he puts his, his, his assurance in flesh and blood. And he takes his heart away from Hashem. And the Pasik continues, a famous Pasik, Baruch HaGev Hashem. Blessed is the person who trusts in Hashem. Hashem And Hashem will be his assurance. This is what they're getting Musr about. Where is Yubitachem? Now look at these psukim. They're interesting. There's a redundancy in these psukim. It has to be understood. The first Pasik curses a person who relies on Hashem. You rely, I'm sorry, you rely on a person, you're cursed. But then it says, with some That's a redundancy. He puts his strength in flesh and blood. Why is it saying it twice? In Hashem, and he'll take his heart away from Hashem. Second Pasik does the same thing. Blessed is a person who trusts in Hashem. And Hashem is his assurance. Again, if you trust in Hashem, and Hashem is what you rely on, it's a redundancy. So to understand this, let's fast forward to the end of Avtarim, where there are two psukim, which truthfully could have been written for us right now exclusively. The Pasik says, this is a famous Pasik, Mikve Yisrael Hashem. Right? We say this in Yom Kippur, Mikve Yisrael Hashem. Hashem is the hope of Klai Yisrael and also the Mikve, like the Tahara of Klai Yisrael. Whoever abandons you will be humiliated. You're abandoning a fresh stream of water, which means an unending source of water. Hashem has plenty for everybody. You keep on taking and taking and taking. There's enough for everybody. The very famous Pasik, it's uh, the Pasik that Rabbi Akiva says, the last Mishnah in Yuma, Shreichem Yisrael, Lefnei Mi'atam blessed, uh, praised are you, Klai Yisrael, in front of who are you becoming tar, being forgiven from your Averis, who forgives you, your Father in Heaven, Hashem is the mikveh for Klai Yisrael, we connect Hashem, we enter a mikveh, we totally become surrounded and enveloped and become tar. And Hashem is the source of fresh water, there's plenty for everybody. The very next Pasik after this, right, which is the, this first Pasik is the essence of Bitachin. So, Mikve Yisrael Hashem, Hashem is our reliance, is our assurance. The Navi calls out to Hashem and he says, Rifa'eni Hashem, heal me Hashem, and I'll be healed. Hoshi'eni, save me, and I'll be saved. Because you, Hashem, are the source of my praise, you're the one that I praise. When we're facing the danger of a virus, which is uncontrollable, untreatable, not well understood, we have a challenge of bitachin. And when we strengthen our bitachin, the first thing the Navi says is, Hashem, you heal me, and then I'll be healed. You save me, and that's the only thing that will save me. But listen to what the Zaya says on this Pasik, because it's chilling how relevant it is to us, 
our situation when there's so little known about this virus, we don't know if it can recur, if it can relapse, if you got it, can you get it again? And will the chas v'shalom be another flare-up in a month or two, or when we chas v'shalom get back together, what will happen? This is so, un- so unknown. We don't know what's going to be. With things that seem good now, but what will, what will happen next? The Zayar asks, same kind of question, why is there a redundancy? You ask Hashem, Rifa'ini Hashem, Hashem, heal me, and I'll be healed. Well, yeah, if you get healed, you'll be healed. If anybody heals you, you'll be healed. What does it mean? Hashem, you heal me, then I'll be healed. Hashemi, save me, and then I'll be saved. If anybody saves you, you'll be saved. It's redundant. So the Zayar answers, an amazing answer. He says, the Zayar says, I think it's Rabbi Lazar. He says that Hashem can heal a person directly. No intermediary, no shluchim, no one in between. Hashem can heal you. If Hashem heals you, that's it. You're free of that illness forever. It's permanent. No relapses. No coming out of chas v'shalom of remission. You're fully healed. It's guaranteed. But if there's an intermediary, if you're not healed directly by Hashem, you'll be healed. But there's no guarantee. No guarantee that it'll remain in force. The sickness can relapse. The refuah can disintegrate. If a person gets healed by Hashem, he is fully guaranteed he'll never get sick again. What is the difference if Hashem heals us directly or if we're healed through an intermediary? Isn't Hashem always doing the healing? What does it mean, an intermediary? Hashem heals us. He's the one we know. He's the one where, even if there's a doctor involved and there's nurses involved, there's medicines involved, we know and we believe that it's Hashem healing us. So the end of the Pasik clarifies what's going on here. He ata, because you are the one I praise. You, Hashem, are the one I praise. There's no difference between an intermediary healing us, a shliach, a doctor, a medicine, or Hashem. The whole difference is our perception. If our perception is that Hashem alone is healing us and He is the only one worthy of our praise because He's the only one who did anything, He's the only one we'll praise in our recovery. You are the one that I praise. That takes away the layers of Hester, the layers of, of confusion that Teva, that the, the natural world creates, and we perceive our refuah is directly from Hashem. That refuah is permanent. There's no relapse. The refuah never stops. It's, we have a permanent escape from the illness. But if our faith isn't quite holding on that level, our trust, our betachin hasn't reached there, we don't have that level of clarity and we see the intermediary. Yeah, we believe in Hashem. We know Hashem is making it happen, but we see it happening through the intermediary. We see as the, the intermediary is doing something, then the refuah is not guaranteed. We will merit refuah because we're having betach and Hashem will heal us, but it won't be guaranteed. It doesn't have that level. There are many, many levels of betach, and we should strive for the highest level of kisahilasi atarafaini Hashem. You alone should heal me, and then we'll be guaranteed our, our refuah. But of course, there's a level of betach to understand Hashem is making it happen through the intermediary. And we have to work on every level of betach we can get. And perhaps the understanding of this is that if we have reached that level of betachin, it's so clear to us that you are the only one making this happen, then there's no need for us to get sick again. We've accomplished our purpose in life. The purpose is to recognize everything is from Hashem. 
when we've gotten to when we know that we can praise Hashem because that's where everything is from, then sickness evaporates permanently. It's only when it's not so clear to us that unfortunately we need to grow still. And we're not guaranteed we're going to be free of illness. This is what the earlier psukim are saying as well. Or Ageber Asher again. Cursed is someone who trusts in a man, but he doesn't just rely on a person. That wouldn't be so bad. The problem is some some he does it, he cuts Hashem out of the story totally. He not only relies on a person, he doesn't think Hashem's doing anything. He totally cuts out Hashem. That is something worthy of punishment. Baruch HaGever, the greatest blessing is Asher Yiftach Hashem. Not only do you rely on Hashem, but your only assurance is Hashem. That's the highest level of the Tachan. So the Pasuk contrasts the furthest a person can get. That's when there's an error. And the closest a person can get when he totally, totally relies on Hashem. And that's why the Pasuk continues in this Haftarah and it says, I am Hashem and I know what's going on in your heart. I know what you're thinking in your mind. And what will happen to you, Kedrachav, will be according to your ways and it will be the fruits of your own thoughts, the level of Betachin. will give us Chus, it will grant us Refua, but the greater our Betachin the greater the guarantee. So what can we do? What should we do now? If this is what Hashem wants from us, He wants us to have bitachin, and that's how we're going to become free and we can be assured that we're not sick now, we'll stay healthy. Everybody should stay healthy. So the Psukim after the Haftar end, Yirmiyah Navi, in the continuation of this parasha, gives Klal Yisrael a suggestion. He just gave them this terrible... You know, he, 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 he demands betachen of them and interpersed in between the betachen is all the evil decrees that will happen. And he says, you know what you should do? He gives them an eitzah. He says, keep Shabbos. That's what he tells them to do. The Pasuk exhorts them specifically not to carry inside Yerushalayim, which was Yerushos Arabim. But then it says, don't do any malacha. And it says, don't even do durabonans, the way the Mepharshim explained the Pasuk. Shabbos strengthens our betachen in many, many ways. In essence, Shabbos was a time when we're supposed to see all our work is done, meaning we don't need to do any work. We don't need to do anything. Hashem does it all for us. Now, in the early days, not working on Shabbos was a big challenge. It was an extreme test in Betachin. Not working on Shabbos usually meant that Monday morning you had to find yourself a new job. I had a friend who told me that his grandfather lived through those days, and he had collected pink slip after pink slip after he was given, you know, the, he was fired Monday after Monday, and he saved them, and he used to decorate his sukkah with them. What a way to decorate your sukkah with the kedusha of Shabbos, with the betachin that a person had to now work on Shabbos and look for a new job every week, and there was no way he knew what he would get. And, I, and you know, on a lesser level, Shabbos tests us very often in betachin. I just... When I was sick, I, I went to the hospital Friday afternoon. My wife couldn't stay with me. They didn't allow her. I was admitted to the hospital on Friday night. My wife had no idea what was going on. She had no idea if I was admitted. She had no idea if I was waiting over there by the curb to be picked up, to crawl home. 
Nothing. There was no way to know. And we couldn't pick up a phone and call. It's Shabbos. It's a big test in Bitachin. When things go wrong on Shabbos and oven breaks down right before Shabbos, you have many guests, the crockpot wasn't plugged in, the fire alarm goes off and is ringing and ringing and ringing. All these things test our betachin. Test our trust in Hashem. There's a funny story about a Yid, his name is Barry. He was a traveling salesman. And a very, from Yid, a religious Jew. So he was always careful to get to his Shabbos destination with plenty of time. And he was traveling in Texas. He was trying to get to Dallas. And two o'clock Friday afternoon, he entered the interstate, it was Interstate 20, and like every car in Texas was on the road, every single car. So he was going, stop and go, patiently trying to, you know, make some, some way, but at some point, it was four o'clock, he saw he's not going to make it. So he pulls off the road, some nameless town, a bunch of fields and cows going, driving, finally finds a police station. So the sergeant says, sergeant says, I don't have any place for you. I don't have a, I, you know, we don't have any room for you, but if you want, uh, you can sleep in the prison. Uh, you're welcome to. So Barry happily accepted. He went to the prison for the night. So the other inmates started having friendly conversation with him. They said, oh, I'm in here for armed robbery. They gave me a 10-year sentence. And the other guy says, I'm in here for, for burglaring. And uh, they gave me seven years. And then they turned to Barry. Barry, uh, what are you here for? So he says, uh, Shabbos. I look at him, they didn't hear the answer. He says, uh, what do you get for that? Shabbos answers. Yeah, Barry answers, you get life. <laughs> so we also know, uh, we say in the Zmiris and Chazal say, Levu alai v'ani pereya. You can borrow and I'll pay back. We can overextend ourselves to provide for Shabbos needs. The Vilna Goyen wrote a letter to his wife when he was going to Eretz Yisrael and he says, don't be frugal when it comes to Shabbos. Hashem provides all that we need for Shabbos. We can rely on Him. The essence of making Shabbos Sudas is founded in Bitachin. Even in the, in the Midbar, they had Mun, right? So everything was from Shemaim, but the Mun didn't fall on Shabbos. The very first Shabbos, Klai Yisrael was tested the Shabbos Suda in Bitachin. There was the Mun, they didn't fall. They had Arab Shabbos, they didn't know if it was going to become wormy. They didn't know if it was going to last. Friday night, they didn't know what would be next morning. It was a test in Bitachin. On a weekly basis, Shabbos can strengthen and grow our betachin as well. Shemitah is in the years, but Shabbos is for every week. We don't work because we understand we don't have to work on Shabbos. Hashem will provide for us. Every mulacha we'd like to do, every mulacha that Hashem tells us not to do is trusting in Hashem, trusting in Hashem that we don't need to do it. He takes care of it. The more we utilize Shabbos, to recognize, it's just something we should all do on Shabbos, recognize all the brachas that we have, all the blessings we have in our lives, all the beautiful things we can thank Hashem for, is a bigger kiyam of recognizing what Shabbos is all about, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Oysa Maise Bereshes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created all, Zeicher Lemaise Bereshes, that's what Shabbos is there for, we should recognize everything we have is from Hashem, and by doing that on a regular basis, we're strengthening our betachen, and that's what's so important, at all times, to get us through this kind of time, and especially now, like the Zayar says, we need so much, Rafaini Hashem, Ve'e Rafa, Hashem, heal us, so that we may be healed. Hashi'eni Hashem, may Hashem help us, Ve'ivoshea, that our, our salvation should be a permanent salvation. May everybody be zeicha, to be mekabel Shabbos, b'simcha, b'strengthen their bitachin, and we may all be zeicha to the bracha of the Navi, Baruch HaGever, HaShayivtach, B'Hashem, B'Hay Hashem, Miftachin. Have a good Shabbos.